The following message was given at Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. Hebrews 5, 1 through 6, let's give our attention now as God Himself speaks to us in His holy and inspired word. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes his honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This concludes the reading of God's word. May God now be pleased to add his blessing to his word by the preaching of it. Well, do you remember when uh, Kanye West was living here and kind of all the hype uh, surrounding him? Well, it was during that time that I actually had a, a lot of friends who didn't live in this area that asked me if I knew Kanye. If I can give them access to Kanye. And of course, I had to let them know, no, I don't. No, I can't give access uh, to you. And they wanted access in another way. Can you give us any sort of inside scoop? And... Well, I could tell maybe a few stories, but if you really want access to Kanye, you need to go talk to Chet. You know, some of you remember him, who have been around long enough. Uh, he used to be a member uh, in this church. He was friends with him. He would uh, interact with him. So if you want access to him, go talk uh, to, to Chet. He can grant you access. Uh, but it's interesting how many people really long for access to this celebrity. And said, if I'm going to get access to him, I need to know somebody who can give me access. Well, there is someone infinitely more important than a mere human celebrity. And that is the God of the universe. That is God Almighty, the eternally blessed one. Not only is he the most glorious being who is greater than anything we can imagine, he is also someone that every single one of us must stand before and give an account. So we want and desperately need access to Him, but access into His favorable presence. That we may know Him. That we may draw near to Him. That we may have a right relationship with Him and be reconciled to Him. That we may enjoy Him forever. Who is qualified to grant us access into His presence with favor, with boldness and confidence? Well, it is our great High Priest who alone is qualified to do this. And so, why is that? Well, we're going to consider three qualifications of our great High Priest that encourages us to rest in Him. And the first is this. He was a man. He was a true man. Verse 1, For every high priest chosen from among men 
is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Now this comes on the heels of what we just saw in Hebrews 4, where it says that we can truly draw near to God because our high priest is sympathetic, because he has been tested in all ways that we are, yet without sin. And this means that the Son of God assumed our humanity, that he is a true man. And from this, the author springboards to talk about what qualifications a high priest should have, what it looks like to have a qualified high priest, and why Jesus fits these qualifications and even surpasses them. And we see from from verse 1, first, that this high priest is chosen from men, And for men, he's chosen from among men to act on behalf of men. Therefore, our Lord Jesus Christ is qualified to serve as our high priest because he was one of us. He was a true man. And to us, this this doesn't rub us the wrong way. But keep in mind, during this time for these Hebrews, it really rubbed them the wrong way. That God would stoop so low as to become a man, as to be... For a little while, lower than the angels in his humanity. And so that's what the author of Hebrews is addressing. No, it actually qualifies him to be our high priest. To be the high priest of sinners. Because the high priest is chosen from among men to act on behalf of men. It is men, humans, whom the high priest represents. Because it's men, humans, who need representation. So indeed, it was fitting for him to assume our humanity. And consider the love of God in this. That God would assume our humanity so that we would have a qualified high priest to represent us. This is God's idea. This is God's plan. This is God's design. This is God's doing. So that we would have representation before God. So that we would have reconciliation and access to God. This shows that God wants us to have this. And this dispels those dark, evil, unbelieving thoughts that we tend to have of God. That He doesn't love us. That He's opposed to us. That He doesn't save and help sinners. This shows that That is not the case. Because consider the work and duty of the high priest as typified in the Old Testament. As our verse says, he was to offer gifts and sacrifices on behalf of the people. These are the things that made the people acceptable before God. A sacrifice needed to be offered to atone for sin. To do away with the guilt that we have because of our sin. And this reveals that it's not the people who do it, but the high priest who does it on their behalf. The high priest is the one who brings this acceptance between God and man. That is why we need a high priest. The only way to get to God, the only way to stand before his presence acceptable is by a high priest. And God has provided this. By assuming our humanity. To be the God-man 
who reconciles God to man. Furthermore, he is perfectly sympathetic, which brings us to the second qualification of our great high priest that encourages us to rest in him, and that, he, that is he's gentle. Verse 2, he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. So one of the perks of having a high priest in our own flesh who's a true man is that he himself is beset with weakness. Now the word for weakness here is, is the same one used in Hebrews 4.15 where it says that Jesus is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. And that reveals that weakness does not necessarily imply sinfulness uh, because that verse says that Christ is sympathetic with our weaknesses because he himself was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Weakness, then, is tied to being tempted, to being tried, to being affected. It is the human weakness of being subject to suffering, where we are affected by trials and difficulties, where we can become weary, and where we can become weak. It's what it means to be a creature. Now, this verse indicates that it goes beyond that with the Old Testament priest because it speaks of being gentle not only with the weak but also the ignorant and and wayward and that he himself on account of that has to offer up his own sacrifice for his own sins. Nevertheless, the principle is that shared experience breeds sympathy which results in gentleness. We're most understanding with the people we can relate most with because of shared experiences. Uh, those who have suffered similar hardship, a particular loss, such as the death of a child, or having lost the sense, or having lost in the sense of not having a blessing you greatly desire. Uh, you can sympathize with those who have the similar sufferings, have similar experience. You understand them. This last year, the past year, as many of you know, Jackie and I experienced a miscarriage. And that's not something that uh, we had experienced previously. And we we know a lot of people who have experienced that. Uh, we, We know a lot of people who go through that. It's something that's very common. And we recognize that that's something that's bad. And that's something that creates a lot of sorrow and sadness. But we didn't understand. We didn't sympathize until we went through it ourselves. Just how difficult that is, how painful that is. Despite it being common, it is painful. It is heart-wrenching. And so we went from merely empathizing to sympathizing. Now we get it. Now we understand. Uh, That's what it means to sympathize. It means to, to get someone, to get it. Some of you have heard, have seen the, the ad going around that says he gets us. And uh, while he certainly gets us and that he sympathizes with us, he doesn't leave us in our sin, but he does get us and that he is sympathetic. And this then leads the priest to be able to deal gently. Uh, deal gently simply means uh, literally moderate passions. It means to moderate one's passions, moderate one's feelings, emotions, the things that affect us. Uh, When we talk about moderation, we're talking about having something with self-control. And that's what this means. The the person 
doesn't lose control over their passions when they see Bob coming again with his sacrifice for sin. He's blown it again, and he just want to let him have it. No, there's control there. There's, there's control over one's passions. It's dealing gently with uh, the person. And this is important because of the nature of the high priest's work. Uh, think about how vulnerable the offerer would be to bring his sacrifice for sins. If you remember from Leviticus, in order to deal with your sin, you would have to bring a sin offering, a specific animal, and you would have to bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting. That is not a private booth. That is very public. And when they would offer up that sacrifice, of course they would give it to the priest to offer up, but before that, the offerer had to lay his hand on that sin offering and publicly confess his sins. There was no private booth. There was no hiding from people. And so imagine that you are an Israelite. Uh, you have just sinned. Your conscience is bothering you. But you want to follow God's word. You want to follow him. And you know what God requires of you. He requires you to bring a sin offering. Everyone's going to see that. Everyone's going to know that you have sinned. And you're going to confess that sins. Not privately, but publicly. And imagine if that priest was not gentle with you. Sees you coming. Oh, you again? Are you kidding me? I have to butcher another animal for you? I mean, those of you who, who field dress uh, animals uh, from hunting or, or do your own uh, work uh, at home with them. You know how much work that is. And now you have to do it because this guy again is sinning? Kind of wanted the day off. You're hoping that there wouldn't be as many people bringing offerings. And here comes Bob again, bringing his offering, requiring you to have to work. You can imagine that the priest would want to let him have it. Would you just knock it off? You haven't learned yet? Ah, but he himself is beset with weakness. And if he remembers that, he can deal gently with those who come bringing their offering. Well, even though Christ was without sin and was never sinfully ignorant or wayward, He is still sympathetic to our weaknesses. This is because He was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. He was tried. He knows what it's like to go through this difficult world. He knows what it's like. Remember how we define trials? It's that squeezing of the heart. Well, when our hearts get squeezed, sin comes out. When Jesus' heart gets squeezed because there's no sin, sin does not come out. He knows what it's like to be squeezed. He knows what it's like to go through difficulties. He knows what it's like to be in this body, this flesh, which has its weaknesses, which gets tired, which gets weary. And he's sympathetic with us. And he's gentle. He deals gently with us. And he testifies to his gentleness when he declares for all who are weary and heavy laden to come to him. And what is the reason he gives for all who are heavy laden and weary to come to him? He says, for I am gentle and humble of heart. And you will find 
rest for your weary soul. He is gentle. He will not condemn or scold you. He will not stuff, snuff out a smoldering wick or crush a, crush a bruised reed. Some of the most delicate things there are. He deals gently with the ignorant and wayward. They come to Him for forgiveness and deliverance of their sins. Not just the first time, but every time. Because His gentleness doesn't change. For Jesus remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. His gentleness and patience never runs out. And this makes Him qualified to deal with sinners as a high priest. Beloved, if this is the way our Lord is, whom we are to emulate, this is the way we should strive to be. It is easy to be like the Gentiles who who love those who love them. But it is much more difficult to love those who irritate us, who cause us stress. Why we don't want to approve of sin? Why we don't want to harbor sin? While we never want to bring correction, yet we want to be like Jesus and being gentle, kind, patient to those who still sin because they are not yet perfect. And we also want to forgive because Christ has forgiven us. We are, re- we are reminded of that even in our scripture reading this morning. So serious is Christ about us forgiving one another from the heart that he says, if you don't forgive, it's evidence that you are not forgiven. You have not yet apprehended the forgiveness that He gives. Otherwise, you would be a forgiving person as well. We need to remember that we too are not yet perfect, that we too are beset with sin and weaknesses, and that we stumble in many ways. It's easy to focus on someone else's sin and think that we are doing pretty good because we don't struggle with that same sin that that person struggles with. We want to be humble and acknowledge our own sin, which should cause us to show mercy to others who sin in ways that perhaps we do not struggle with as much as they do. A third qualification of our great high priest that encourages us to rest in him is that he's appointed. Verse 4, and no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God just as Aaron was. So there's no self-appointment when it comes to the office of priest. And really, there's no self-appointment when it comes to any office, Old Testament or New Testament. Prophet, priest, king, apostle, evangelist, pastor, deacon, no self-appointment. Any time someone appointed himself to that office uh, or took it upon himself without being duly called, it resulted in severe consequences. Uh, We see this with Absalom, uh, where, as Scripture says in 2 Samuel 15, he stole the hearts of the people. He wanted to be in charge, so he went around among God's people to get them on his side against the king whom God had appointed. And he had a very humbling end. Look at King Uzziah. He took it upon himself. He's like, I'm king, I can do this. He took it upon himself to be priest. And he was immediately struck with leprosy. You're probably familiar with the story in number 16, where the earth opened up and swallowed a group of rebellious people down to Sheol. Well, this happened because a man named Korah wanted to usurp Aaron's authority as high priest. He, he, he said, 
uh, to Aaron and Moses, you have gone too far. All the congregation is holy and the Lord is with them. So why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly? What Korah was saying is, who are you to, to be our high priest? Who are you to be appointed over us? We too can do it. God is just with us as much as with you. So we are going to rise up against you, Aaron and Moses. Well, because God had appointed them to their offices, whereas Korah tried to appoint himself, and that did not end well for him. So this idea of being appointed by God is important. It's a big deal. And the fact that God has appointed Christ as our high priest means we need to honor his office as high priest. And we see that God specifically speaks of this appointment in Scripture. The author gives two Scripture references, Psalm 2-7 and Psalm 110-4. In verse 5, it says, So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. This first Scripture reference comes from Psalm 2-7. It's the second time, actually, that the author of Hebrews uses it. He used it in, in Hebrews 1.5. And this is God the Father speaking to his only begotten Son. Uh, the one who has been appointed as high priest is the eternal Son of God. And the one who has, been, the one who has appointed him is God the Father. Now, this specific phrase, today I have begotten you, is... Uh, really a figure of speech of the way that during that time a king would appoint his son who was begotten of him his uh, to the throne because he was his begotten son and heir. And the way he would declare this, that his son is taking his throne, is that is today I have begotten you. I mean, obviously, literally, he wasn't born that day, but it reveals because he is his begotten son, he is being appointed uh, to the throne as his heir. Well, God uses this in Scripture to refer to the fact that God has appointed his king in Zion among God's redeemed people, and that king is another, none other than his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. However, if you notice, this Scripture refers to his appointment as king and not as priest. But the author has been talking about Christ as priest. So why pick a scripture reference that speaks to him being appointed as king? Because remember, those offices were kept separate in the Old Testament. Well, the next scripture reference sheds light on this in verse 6. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And this is the other reference to Christ being appointed by God. It's our high priest. It comes from Psalm 110.4. And this explains why the first reference in, in verse 5 talks about him being appointed as king as legitimate proof for him being appointed as our high priest. Because Christ is after the order, not of Levite, but Melchizedek. And we're going to talk more about Melchizedek as we go along, especially when we get to chapter 7 of Hebrews. But just to preview, Melchizedek is this mysterious figure who uh, is greater than Abraham because Abraham paid ties to him and he was blessed by uh, Abraham, he was blessed by Melchizedek. 
And he's also unique in that he's both king and priest. Hebrews 7 1 says that he's king of Salem, that is Jerusalem, and priest of the Most High God. So he's both priest and king, king over Jerusalem. And he's kind of mysterious. There's no genealogy given of him. Abraham paid tithes to him, he's greater than Abraham. But he prefigured Christ because Christ would be both priest and king, and of course, prophet. Therefore, Christ's order of priesthood doesn't come from the Levitical priesthood, but rather from this mysterious figure, from Melchizedek. And this is why Scripture refers to him when he's being appointed king, because Christ is both priest and king. Those two offices come together in Christ, really all three offices. But there are a couple of things that we learn from this. First, if God appointed him, then his office must be honored by us. Our Lord Jesus Christ has been appointed our high priest. No one can take his place. No one can have that distinct honor. Whether a Roman Catholic priest or ourselves to try to make up for our sin and take care of our guilt and shame or trying to be more righteous in ourselves before we can come, uh, to Christ, we must honor Christ alone as the only high priest who alone takes away our sin, takes away all our guilt and shame, and has reconciled us to God. By resting in Him and trusting in Him, even after we have blown it again and again and again, we are actually honoring Him who has been appointed into that office and honoring the one who has appointed him to that office. Second, this reveals God's great love for us, in that he is the one who designed the office and appointed him as our high priest. It was not us trying to find a way to God. It was not us trying to follow God's law the best we can to gain access to him. God did not give us Jesus as a mere instructor and teacher of the law. But rather, God gave us Christ also as our high priest. And that high priest has done everything required to offer up the single sacrifice that brings us to God. And so this was God's idea. This is God's provision. This is God's doing. He saw us in our helpless estate. And what did He do? Rather than condemn us, He gave His Son to assume our humanity, to be our high priest, to offer up Himself, to lay down His life, to bring us to God. Keep in mind that this design comes from God, not man. It shows us that God wants to be wants us to be reconciled to Him. And not only this, God swore to this with an oath. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This is the case, beloved. And can we not trust Him? Can we not trust Him to save us from our sin fully? To cleanse us from our sin? To continue to do that work of sanctification in us? as we struggle greatly against our sin? 
Can we not trust that He who began that good work in us will be faithful to complete it? Can we not trust that He will present us holy and blameless and above reproach before God on that great day? And can we not have great confidence and eager expectation to meet our God someday soon? And can we not also trust Him in the hard times, in the troubling times, when we are in stormy waters? If God did not abandon us in our sin when we were enemies, then will He also not abandon us in our troubles as His dearly beloved children? May we fully trust Him as our High Priest, knowing that He is perfectly qualified as a true man, like us in every way except for sin. And that He deals gently with us, being gentle and lowly of heart. And as the one whom God Himself appointed so that we may have bold and confident access to Him. Amen. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, we are so grateful for such a wonderful and magnificent High Priest. Oh, how we have such a hard time trusting Him. How we think that He is against us. How we often think, God, that Your face is set against us. We have sinned. Oh, You must be against us. And then we try to achieve a righteousness where we think that You will be with us once again. Forgive us for such thoughts, O oh God. Help our unbelief. Help us to trust You that You are with us. No matter what happens. You have ordained all our days for us. You are bringing us to that eternal home eternal glory, because you who called us are faithful. Thank you for being faithful and assigning us and appointing us the perfect high priest, our Lord Jesus Christ, true God and true man. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a message from Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. To receive more information about Trinity Bible Church or to support the ministry, go to tbcwyoming.com. That is tbcwyoming.com.